it started out as a blog and it was my goal to help others, specifically women, where I felt stuck on our journey. I wanted to help people that were in that place. But I also realized that I had found the thing that I was staying up until 2 a.m. searching four years ago. This was the thing. Once I realized that, hey, I can do this. I can have an online business where I help people, where I'm still using my skills of teaching. I was obsessed. Hey, this is Allison and welcome to the Inspire Budget Podcast, where we talk all things budgeting, debt, and saving money. The other day I asked my Instagram followers if they would be interested in learning more about how I built my business, even though I don't have a degree in business whatsoever. And I was flooded with questions. So I'm going to be giving a quick overview of exactly how I came about to being the founder of Inspire Budget, even though it was never in my plans. And then I'm going to answer some of the most common questions I received. If you've ever wondered what it looks like to start a business that runs completely 100% online, then I'm going to be outlining exactly how I did that. This is a business that allows me to work from home in my home office while my kids are actually outside in the living room finishing up their summer break. It allows me to take trips and have the flexibility that being a teacher just didn't give me. So if it's something that you're interested in maybe doing on your own or doing for yourself, then you're going to love this episode. Or if you're just curious and you're wondering what it's like for a small business owner that works completely online, then you're going to enjoy this episode too. I feel like for me to explain to you how I ended up in the position that I am running my own business, Inspire Budget, I have to start back to a time when I didn't even realize that this was a possibility for me, a time when I didn't even realize it's what I wanted. I got my degree, my bachelor's degree in elementary education, and I will never forget in my very last year in college, and not a, actually not a lot of people know this. I don't even think my mom knows this. I was in my student teaching and I was doing my observations in the classroom. And so the way really quickly that elementary education worked when I went to school was we took our classes in college and we would observe some time, but your last semester, really your last year is spent in the classroom. Your last semester is completely spent in the classroom doing student teaching. And the semester before that, you're doing something called methods and you go to the classroom more often. And I remember being put in these classrooms. I remember my being put in a kindergarten classroom. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I don't think this is what I want to do. What? I'm not enjoying this. I was roommates with a friend who loved it. And I was thinking, what's wrong? Did I make a mistake? But I felt like I had already committed so much of my time and money, aka debt, that the idea of changing things up just terrified me. So I pushed forward to my student teaching where I was in a second grade classroom. And I was like, this is a little bit better, but I don't really know if this is what's right for me. But I didn't feel like I had another choice. I felt like, oh my gosh, I got this degree. I'm just going to forge ahead. Like I'll fake it until I make it. I'm sure I'll love it eventually. Maybe once I have my own classroom, everything will be better. And I just want you to know, side note, that the thought of doing something else, the thought of breaking away from what I had planned on doing terrified me. And it was enough to keep me stuck in where I was and unhappy 
in my job for years, unhappy in my situation for years. So I just want to have a little side note that you're not too old. It's not too late to throw a curveball when it comes to your job, to throw a curveball and say, you know what? I'm going to change up what I'm doing because what I'm doing right now isn't bringing me joy. And I only have so much time left in my life that I want to spend it doing things that make me happy. Okay, back to the story. When I was teaching, I realized I'm in my first couple of years of teaching. I realized that I'm good at it. It's not that I was not a good teacher. I was a great teacher, but I didn't like everything that came along with teaching. I'm talking things like low pay or even just a pay scale that you couldn't negotiate. You couldn't increase. You were stuck in almost this ladder taking one small step up every year. I also didn't like the fact that it was so hard to take a day off of work. Anybody who's a teacher knows that it is easier to go to school and show up sick than it is to get a sub and have to make sub plans and get them to take care of everything. Not to mention subs are hard to come by. So the inability to take time off or the guilt for taking time off for me was just so high. All the extra paperwork. There's so much paperwork. Not, I'm not talking just grades, other paperwork. There's not a lot of room for growth. If you're not going to be a principal or an administrator, which I never wanted to do, then you're just kind of stuck where you are. Unless you find some sort of like higher up position, unless you find some sort of position and you move into a different area, there's not room for you to grow both financially and in your salary and in your position. And the one thing, the one thing that really bothered me about teaching <laughs> And teachers, you can relate to this. The better you are, the more administration puts on you. So the better you are at getting kids to pass a standardized test, the more you get put on yourself for having kids that might be grade levels behind. The better you are with helping with, with discipline in your classroom, the harder kids you get. The better you are, the more you get put on your plate. And other teachers who might not show up and might not be good, they don't get asked to do things because they might not be dependable. And the thing is, is that's fine. If I'm going to have more put on my plate, give me a raise, give me a bonus, give me something. But that was never the case. And so for years in my first I don't know, seven years of teaching, I used to stay up until 2 a.m. I remember laying in my bed next to my husband who was sleeping next to me and I had my little laptop and I would be Googling, what can I do with a teaching degree? Because I was done, but I stayed in it out of fear. I honestly had no freaking clue what on earth I wanted to do or what on earth I could do. And so I stayed where I was. I stayed in my comfort zone because the fear of leaving my comfort zone was enough to stop me. So fast forward eight years, Matt and I have paid off all of our debt and I became surprisingly passionate about personal finance news to me because I love spending money and I never thought I would like budgeting. So I am passionate about personal finance. We've paid off our debt. I can't stop talking about it with my friends, with my family. And one day I'm at a family event over Easter. My cousin-in-law, Janet, who actually I interviewed on episode 59 of the podcast. So go back and listen to that. She basically said, Allison, listen, 
you clearly have a passion for this. You clearly are good at it. You're already a teacher. So you should start an online business. And I was like, an online what? Like, is that a thing? What can I do? And she is the person really that planted that seed and almost gave me permission to try something that I never thought was possible, that I never even considered. And so thank you, Janet. But within two weeks, Inspired Budget was a thing. Really, it started out as a blog and it was my goal to help others, specifically women, where I felt stuck on our journey. I wanted to help people that were in that place. But I also realized that I had found the thing that I was staying up until 2 a.m. searching four years ago. This was the thing. Once I realized that, hey, I can do this. I can have an online business where I help people, where I'm still using my skills of teaching. I was obsessed. And so what started as a blog and growing my social media following has led to some amazing things in my business. It's led to my inner circle membership where I'm helping almost a thousand women learn to budget, pay off debt, and more importantly, develop the confidence they need to change their finances and build wealth. It's led to amazing brand deals where I get to actually share brands that I believe in with my audience and partner with them. It's led to this podcast. I would have never thought about starting a podcast before. And it gives me a way to reach other people that might not read a blog or might not follow me on social media. It's led to a book deal with a publishing company, which is crazy to me. And most importantly, it's helped thousands of women along the way. Now, was building this business easy? Heck no. It was one of the hardest things that I've ever done. But was it worth it? Absolutely. I just want you to see that the journey, my journey, it wasn't this linear path. I didn't always know what I was doing. I guessed my way there a lot of times. I messed up a lot. But to me, looking at my life now, I consider my life and my business a success. Does it earn the most money out there compared to other personal finance brands? No. But to me, success looks like being able to pay my bills, being able to hire out work for contractors, being able to have my uh, Kaylee as my employee and be able to pay her full time a competitive salary. Success to me looks like being able to take my kids to school every day, being able to pick them up from school and help them with homework. Success to me looks like being able to answer the phone when they get sick at school and run up there and pick them up. It looks like having the flexibility to take a day off when I need it, when I need a mental health day and not having to ask someone else for permission, not having to write up sub plans. And then success for me ultimately looks like making an impact and making an impact in a way that makes me proud and that helps women specifically, not just today, not just this month, not just this year, but for the rest of their life. And so to me, I feel successful. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, I still struggle with comparison, but I always have to come back to, I don't know what's going on in other people's lives. I don't know the behind the scenes of someone else's business. And if I'm successful, then that's what matters if I feel successful.
Today's episode is brought to you by my free budgeting and debt payoff cheat sheet. In this cheat sheet, I'm going to be giving you everything you need to kickstart your budget and start paying off debt fast. I'll be sharing with you the most important part of budgeting so that way you can focus on what really works. I'll also be sharing with you how to find more money in your budget and the fastest way to pay off debt. This cheat sheet is so amazing and you can grab it for free by going to inspirebudget.com slash cheat sheet or just click the link in my show notes. Now that I've given you a simple overview of my business, I want to get into some specific questions that I received on Instagram. The first question is from M. Chris A. And they ask, how much money did you start with? So I started with $0. When I started my business, the joy, the beauty of having an online business is I didn't necessarily have to invest in physical products. I didn't have to invest in a storefront. My expenses really included a laptop computer, which I had already on hand. It included some online software. And it included running a blog, which running a blog is very inexpensive. So I started with $0. I think in my first year, oh goodness, I can't even remember. Probably in my first year, I maybe made, I don't know, a couple of thousand dollars. Within the first six months, I had made maybe a thousand dollars. I honestly can't remember. I'd have to go back and look at it. And I did not keep track of that. One thing I definitely did wrong was I let my personal finances and my business finances intermingle. So it's even hard for me to know how much I made, to be honest. Thankfully though, I learned my lesson on that and I fixed it, but I didn't start with money. I didn't go out and get funding. I didn't take out debt. I didn't put anything on a credit card. When I did spend money, it did come from my personal money. However, I was able to replace that. So for the most part, I would say that my business always made enough money to cover my expenses. So that's a really good thing. Now, is this possible for every single business? Absolutely not. One of my best friends, they are entrepreneurs and they, her and her husband run a gym. A gym is much more expensive to run than my business. They have the rent, they have the equipment, they have to have people on site. They have a lot more when it comes to running their business. So they did have to start with a loan. Thankfully, that wasn't the case for me. And that's what made it for me an easy entry point because if it had been something that I had to go into debt for, I wouldn't have done it. I had just had such a negative experience with debt that I couldn't fathom going through that again. So how much money did I start with? Nothing. Absolutely, not not even a penny. But I did it. And my expenses at the beginning were so minimal that by the time I started making money, I was able to easily replace that. I maybe spent, I don't know, $200 at first of my own personal money. And it quickly, I I mean, within reason, quickly, within a year, I mean, within a year, I had obviously recouped that plus some. The next question comes from Miss Jade Ford. And she asks, how are you able to produce consistent income? This is a great question. So I'm going to pull back the curtain on my income and share with you how I actually make money. Now, I want to first preface this with saying I did not jump into my business and start making money in all of these ways. I slowly added income sources or income streams throughout the year. I've been in business 
for five years. So I like to think of it as slowly adding these income streams. Once I mastered an income stream, that's when I would branch out to another one. And I think that that's what helped me honestly, really grow my business in a way that was scalable because I didn't stretch myself really thin, even though it felt like that at times. And I did make some of those mistakes in the beginning. I quickly fixed that. So here's how I used to make money at the very beginning versus now. My first year in business, I made money in two ways. I made money from ads on my website, and I'm talking pennies. I made pennies, so maybe $5 in a whole year because I was not in a good ad network yet, and I didn't have a lot of traffic coming to my website, but I still made money. I'm going to claim that as income. The other way that I made money is I actually opened up an Etsy shop. I don't have an Etsy shop anymore. Now I sell all of my products on my own website, but I didn't know how to do that back then. So I said, hey, let me open up an Etsy shop. This is a really good idea for me. And I created what I'm honestly a little embarrassed about, a budget binder, essentially, that If I could go back, I look at it now and I think, oh my gosh, Allison, what were you thinking? This looks awful, but it was, it was my best that I had at the time, which is totally okay. I had room to learn, but I literally created it in PowerPoint, like legit in PowerPoint on my computer. I remember staying up late at night after working a long job, after putting my kids to bed, making this budget binder printable and I sold it and While that did bring me an income, what I was doing simultaneously at the same time was building my social media following. I was showing up consistently. I was showing my face. I was posting helpful content. I was basically showing people, hey, look, I would love to help you. And then I would send people to that Etsy store. And that is what really was my income for the whole first year, maybe actually the first year and a half. That was truly where my income came from. Now, fast forward five years to where I am today. And now I have income from honestly, five main sources. So I'm going to run through those sources real quick. The first source is affiliate income. That means that if I give out a link or I promote either an Amazon purchase or someone else's product or someone else's digital course, then I, if you buy it, I get part of the sale of that. So I'm not taking money from you, but whoever it is gives me a portion or a percentage of that sale because I brought the sale to them. So for instance, I do this a lot with Jeremy from Personal Finance Club. I love his course. I think he does an amazing job about teaching about investing in index funds. And so we will host a webinar together. I invite all of my followers. And if you buy his super inexpensive course through my link, I get a very small portion of that. And those small portions do add up. Now, is this my biggest income source? No, it's actually my lowest. This is my lowest income source. In fact, I'll go in order from lowest to highest. How about that? That way you get an idea. So affiliate income, while it does make up a percentage of my income, it's very small, maybe 4%. And my reason is I don't want to have to always rely on selling someone else's course or getting affiliate income through another person. I would rather a majority of it come through me because I can control that. 
My second largest income source comes from ads. I'm no longer with Google AdSense. I am now with Mediavine, which is an ad company. So if you go on my website, you're going to scroll past some ads and I get money just by you scrolling past them. You don't even have to click on them. Is it a lot of money? No, I get paid anywhere from, it depends, $20 to maybe $50 for every thousand views. So that helps me as well. My third income source comes down to working with brands. If you've ever seen me share a sponsored post on Instagram or on TikTok or even sponsored blog posts, that brand is paying me to be able to share my opinion on their product or their brand or their company. So this is a really great way for me to share companies that I know and love while in a way that helps earn me money and gets that gets their message out. I receive, oh my goodness, probably 30 to 50 requests every single week from brands. And I would say that I take maybe 10 a year and that's it because it has to really resonate with me. I have to feel good about it. My motto is if I would not recommend the brand to my best friend, Amanda, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to work with them. And so I say no to a lot and I'm happy that I get to do that. It means a lot to me that I can make sure that I'm promoting things that I actually believe in because some people don't do that. Some people will promote whatever, and I don't want to be that person. The next income source, I'm actually going to bundle these together. It's technically two different income sources, but we're just, for the sake of time, we're going to put them together. And this is where I make a majority of my money, over 50%, comes from my membership and digital products. So I do have digital products on my website. You can buy my printables and they're all digital, meaning that I don't mail out anything. I don't have any sort of printing that I have to do here and running to the post office. So I like that because that means that I can live my life a little bit freer. And I also have that membership. The membership is the Inspire Budget Inner Circle, and it consists of a course and extra bonus lessons. You get monthly coaching with me, you have a monthly savings challenge. And it's a way for women to follow a step-by-step program that I created to help them take back control of their money. Out of all the things that I do in my business, the inner circle is the heart of my business. It's what I look forward to working on the most. It's what I love the most. It's what I'm most proud of because I am directly helping people And right now at this time, it's the only way to work with me. Now, one thing that Miss Jade Ford asked in her message was, how do I produce consistent income? And I'm going to be honest with you. My income isn't always consistent because I don't take on a ton of brand work because I choose to say no to most of the brands that reach out to me. I don't always have brand income coming in every single month. It's not guaranteed. The same is true with affiliate income. Ads is pretty consistent within a couple, within a range. And then my membership is consistent and my digital products are consistent as well. So while it's not the same number coming in every single month in terms of income, I still pay myself the same amount every single month. So my personal income from the business is consistent. The third question comes from T Vital Designs on Instagram. And she asks, how do you pay yourself while being self-employed? Well, I have changed the way that I paid myself over the course of my business. 
in the very beginning of my business, when I was still working my nine to five job, when I was still a teacher, there were two years of time when I was teaching and running my business and it was miserable. But during those two years of time, I didn't pay myself for my business. I saved all of my money in what I called my quit teaching fund. I literally labeled a savings account called quit teaching. And so all of the money I was making went there. And of course, covering the expenses of my business and saving for taxes. Then once I quit teaching, I started paying myself a percentage of whatever my business was making every month. And while this was great in my head and I thought it was the right way to go, it led to a lot of stress and frustration because I never knew how much I was actually going to make. And that really stressed me out. Going from a super consistent income to a very inconsistent income, it threw me for a loop. Eventually, I moved to paying myself just a set amount of money every single month. And if I made more than that amount that I was paying myself, I put it in another checking account essentially to build up what I like to call my income bucket or my owner's compensation account. And I would build it up so that way I always had money to pay myself. But now these days, I'm actually an LLC. Inspire Budget is an LLC taxed as an S-corp, which means that I am actually a W-2 employee of my business. So I am paid every single month by my business taxes are taken out of my check. My business, it contributes some taxes as well. So I get a consistent income. I set a salary and I am paid consistently every month. And out of all the ways I've been paid, this is by far my favorite. I have two more questions left. The next one comes from Life of Bree 93. And she asks, what's the best advice you've received when starting or that you would tell someone? I received some advice a couple of years ago from Patrice Washington, who's wonderful. And she told me to focus on one thing, like just focus in on one thing. And when she told me that, I realized that I had been pulling myself, I've been stretching myself truthfully too thin and trying to do all of these things. And so what I changed was I sat down and I did a lot of journaling and I said, okay, what am I truly passionate about? What am I so passionate about that I cannot wait to wake up in the morning and work on it? And I am just so proud of it. And then how can I focus on that one thing when I figure out what it is to scale it, to get it to the next level, reach the next goal and keep climbing up almost this hill of goals to where I want to be and where I want to go. And that for sure was, it changed the game for me. It absolutely changed the game for me. In the course of my business, in terms of financially and revenue, I doubled my revenue from one year to the next. And then in terms of me and my happiness, I felt more balance, more time because I was able to put blinders on and ignore everything else that was calling out at my attention and say, no, I'm not working on that right now. I'm working on this one thing and I'm going to scale this one thing because it's what means the most to me. And for me, that's my membership. I mean, hands down, it's the one thing that I am so proud of. I love, I look forward to working on it. I I spend most of my time thinking about ways to make it better and market it and get more women in it because I truly believe that it does. I've seen it. 
it not only does it do amazing things, it has done amazing things. Women have become debt free in it. They have started to build wealth. It have changed the way that they feel about money and they have grown confident with money when in the past, all they felt was stress and fear. So for anyone starting a business, no matter what type of business it is, I want you to just spend time sitting down with pen and paper and figuring out what are you most passionate about and what's the one thing you can do if you were to focus on just one thing what is it that will help you get to the next level? That's what I did. My last question comes from my good friend, Chloe, over at Chloe Bear Money Coach. Shout out to you, Chloe. And she asks, what were some of your biggest mistakes and how did you overcome them? Oh my goodness. So I would definitely say one of the biggest mistakes that I made and that honestly, I still struggle with, I'm not gonna lie, is getting caught up in comparing my business to someone else's. And the thing is, is I was comparing my business and I still do this at times. And I'm going to tell you what I do to stop myself from doing this is I was comparing myself to someone's business that had been in business for three to four years before me. And then I was saying, oh my goodness, they're doing X, Y, and Z, and they're making this much money, or they have this many followers, or their online course or membership has this many people in it. And I realized that that didn't motivate me. It just brought me down. And so there are times whenever comparison can motivate you, it can give you that drive and that energy. But then there are times when comparison can be a drag and it can drag you down and it can make you lose hope about what you're doing. And when I crossed into that zone, when I would cross into that aspect and that mindset, that's when I knew, okay, hold on, this is not good. And those were some mistakes that I made is I would allow myself to stay in that mental space for too long. Now, I think it's unreasonable to say you're never going to feel that way. But now after going through therapy, I have some different techniques that I can use to help me just regulate and realize that there's no good that comes from me comparing myself to this other person. So here are some of the things that I do. Number one, I go to therapy. I have a standing appointment with my therapist every four weeks. And we talk about my business a lot because a lot of my business is overcoming some of my mindset issues so that I can be successful. I also mute people on Instagram or I stop following them, especially people that are in my same niche. Okay. I love, love following people that are in the personal finance space, but sometimes I've just had enough. And I just need to see other things in social media that have nothing to do with money. And so I make it a point to mute those people, stop following them altogether and consume other content, consume content that inspires me in other ways and that I find personally enjoyable to watch or read or listen to. And the last thing that I do to help with comparison now, and that really helped dig me out of really struggling with it in the past is remembering that I am where I need to be at this time. And it's okay if it looks different than someone else's journey. I think it's very easy to, and, and this isn't just with business guys, this is with life in general, with your money, with anything going on. It's very easy to look at someone's outside life and think, you know, the whole picture. However, I had to remind myself when I was comparing my life to other people, I have to remind myself and say, listen, I don't know 
how much that person, even though they might be surpassing me in terms of reach and helping people, and maybe they're surpassing me in terms of revenue, I don't know what their day-to-day life looks like. And for me, success looks like being able to take my kids to school, being able to pick them up when they get home and not be working all evening. It looks like only working one night a month, really, maybe two nights a month at night. It looks like taking the weekends off. And I have to remember that when someone is more successful with me in terms of revenue that I don't just measure success by revenue. And I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. And that really helped me combat comparison. The same is true when you start comparing your life to someone else's in terms of what they have financially or their home or anything. You don't know what the behind the scenes looks like. You don't know how often they're working. You don't know how much debt they have. You don't know how much any, you don't know. And so we have to always bring it back. And that's one thing I try to do is what does success look like for me? And if I'm on the right track to meet that, then I'm doing my part, then I'm happy. And so I always bring myself back to that. I think that was a really great question to end on. So I hope this gives you just a little bit of insight into what it looks like for me to grow a business that is completely 100% online. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with a friend or you just took a screenshot and you shared it on social media and you tagged me in it. Thank you so much. I will see you next week with another brand new episode of the Inspire Budget Podcast. Bye.